Now that amateur baseball has started, let's look and see who's made a name for themselves in non-conference play for college, as well as some of the top prep options in this year's draft. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. So, college baseball is in non-conference play, and prep seasons are starting to get going, depending on where in the country you live and if there's still snow on the ground. So, some of the guys that have stood out in non-conference play for college A couple names here. One of them you've already heard, right-hand pitcher Paul Skeens of LSU. Reminder about Skeens, transferred from Air Force after his sophomore year. That is the cutoff if you want to leave the academy. Uh, Because if you stay after that and you graduate, you are required to complete your military service. We just saw that whole scenario with Noah Song, where he finally, multiple years after graduating, uh, was moved to the reserves and was able to report Uh, to the Philadelphia Phillies after he was taken in the Rule 5 draft. So Paul Skeens transfers to LSU. Big, big boy. 6'6", 247. Uh, He was a hitter as well at Air Force. He has not had an opportunity to hit at LSU. At Air Force, uh, year one, 4'10", 486, 697, 11 home runs in 48 games. Year two... 314, 412, 634, 13 home runs and 52 games. But he is being looked at as a pitcher, and he was already considered to be probably a first round talent or possibly even a top 10 talent. But the start to the season that he's had has now put him on the list of a potential top five or maybe even breaking into that top, uh, that top overall pick. So, he started three games so far in college. And all of these college stats are going to be excluding the midweeks on Tuesday and Wednesday because they're not all done by the time that we are recording this. So, not a big deal for Skeens. He's a weekend guy, but some of the hitters we have coming up in just a minute, they will not be included as far as their midday, uh, their midweek stats. So, Skeens, three games started. He's 3-0 and and 15 innings pitched with a 0.50 ERA. He's given he's gotten 36 strikeouts to 3 walks and he has given up 6 total hits and only one of them was an extra base hit. So he gave up the first start of the year versus Western Michigan. Uh, he gives up 3 hits and 6 innings, one walk, 12 strikeouts and a double for one of those 3 hits. Kansas State, week two, six innings, two hits. There's the one run in there. Uh, two walks to 11 strikeouts. Week three versus Butler, six innings, one hit, 13 strikeouts, and no walks. So he's been getting better every single week, which is uh, a little bit ridiculous. 
kind of a reminder as to what he does really well. Fastball slider change is his game. Typical of a lot of college pitchers, he really focuses on the first two and doesn't have to use that change a ton. The fastball, 70-grade fastball. Relies on the power, sits 96, can touch 99. And the name of the game here is he just absolutely blows this pass, guys. The slider, it's a plus slider, sits in the high 80s, and has a lot of late drop to it. He does have a changeup. It's more of a power change. So it sits high 80s, low 90s. Doesn't quite get the full 10 mile an hour separation that you typically look for. But very, very good. Has some power to it. Has some good fade to it. We talked last week about some of the only real improvement you were looking for from Skeens. You wanted to see how his stuff acclimated to the SEC, and you still haven't gotten that because it's been non-conference play. Again, Western Michigan, Kansas State, and Butler. Uh, They'll start SEC play, I believe, next weekend. So you'll have a chance to see uh, what that does. We did talk about him needing to get more chase on the secondaries. And from what I've been able to see of some of their games, he is getting more chase from the secondaries. But again, that's a scenario where uh, non-conference play, you want to see how it does against the SEC hitters. Another guy that stood out has taken advantage of uh, injuries and things like that to really come out and uh, have a great beginning to his career. Sean Sullivan, the lefty from Wake Forest. So he transfers from Northwestern. He was the Friday night starter for Northwestern. Transfers to Northwestern. Started off coming out of the pin. uh, But because of injuries and things like that, has gotten a chance to start. Right now, three games, 180 ERA and 15 innings pitched. 31 strikeouts to four walks. The only real blemish... As far as extra base hits, is he gave up one home run in his most recent start to Ball State. So, first two outings, scoreless, a combined two hits across those 10 innings. The game against Ball State last weekend, he gave up three hits, three earned runs, three walks to 10 strikeouts. Only, like, that's three of his four walks came in that one outing. But, the thing that I love... Oh yeah, I'm sorry, he's 2-0, and he has a save because he came in at the end of the game in week one when he was still working in relief and finished that game to earn the save. So what I'm watching when I see Sean Sullivan is a lefty from a low three-quarter slot. I mean, it's, it's not quite sidearm, but it's pretty decently close to it. And so because of that, Super deceptive, right? The fastball doesn't have amazing velocity. I mean, he broke 90 the other day. But because of the the handedness, the low slot, and the deception and delivery, it plays up really well. Slider sits in the high 70s. And then changeup sits in the low 80s. And very much he's doing that horizontal thing, right? The fastball, for the most part, stays in the you know, stays where he throws it. The slider runs one way. The changeup runs the other. I like the arm side run on the changeup. And so it's a nice horizontal game. I do want to see, I think, the improvements here for Sean Sullivan that can make him an even more well-rounded draft prospect is, one, working on the velocity a bit. Wake Forest is known for being able to take these guys and make them better. Uh, it's his first year in the program since he transferred in, so you do you do have a little bit of, you know, some work there as far as having time with the pitching lab to get that extra stuff. But then also, I'd love to see some sort of vertical breaking option. Now it's tough when you have a a, a 
low three-quarter slot to have a true 12-6 breaker, but something with a little bit of tilt to it, an 11-5, something like that. I think we'd give you a nice scenario where this ball that's coming at you out of the hand can either stay straight, it can go left, it can go right, it can drop. And if you can get some sort of vertical breaker on that same plane as everything else out of that really unusual slot, it just makes it incredibly difficult for a hitter to figure out where the ball is going to go and you're just going to be guessing the entire time you're up there. But love what I've seen from Sean Sullivan. Again, a little bit of work on building the velocity. Some of that's going to come in in the pros. Maybe some work on a vertical breaker. This really feels like a Guardians pick, like a Cleveland Guardians guy. They're going to get him, add some velo, give him a vertical breaker, and he's going to go on and compete for Cy Youngs in like four years. That's what it feels like to me. A couple position players that I've noticed so far. Outfielder Kemp Alderman of Old Miss. He's played in nine games so far, again, excluding the midweeks. 13-34, four home runs, seven extra base hits. Nine runs and 12 RBIs, six walks to seven strikeouts, and two for two on stolen bases. The story for Kemp Alderman is the raw power is absolutely stupid. When he gets a hold of a ball, this ball is destroyed. I think one of the games I watched the other day, you look at the hardest hardest hit balls in the game, half of them were his. Like He had as many hard hit balls as the rest of both teams put together. Just when he makes contact, he destroys it. Now, there is some swing and miss in there. He's got seven strikeouts. uh, But something I feel like has a lot more raw power than we initially maybe projected and can get it into games better than a lot of people thought he could. So combine that with the fact that he's got a big arm. He's a corner outfield profile. The speed isn't necessarily great. It's probably 40 now. So you worry a little bit about the ability for him to kind of ramp that up. He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 250. So you're looking at a profile that uh, at best is going to be a right field profile, but very much could also end up uh, maybe moving to first base if he slowed down anymore. But the arm is great, 60 grade arm. Uh, looks like he can be one of those power slugging right fielders that can just hit tons of tanks for you. And then outfielder Colton Ledbetter of Mississippi State. We're just going to stay in state. Uh, He's a transferred from Samford, and it's a similar scenario this year for him, kind of like Sonny DeShera was for Auburn last year. Transferred in from Samford, had a fantastic year, ended up being co-SEC Player of the Year, and went to the Angels in, I think, the fifth round. So, uh, 12 games started so far for Colton Ledbetter. 15 of 45, three home runs, seven extra base hits, 11 runs, 21 RBIs, and 13 walks to seven strikeouts with Eight for eight on stolen bases. So defensively, I think he's above average in center field, and he's got enough speed where you can project him at least at first to stick in center field at the major league level. But he's really kind of there for offense, right? He's a, he has really good contact and really good pitch recognition. The fact that he's got 13 walks to seven strikeouts kind of tells you he's very good at seeing the ball out of the hand and knowing what is and is not a strike. Uh, the exit velos are pretty good as well. And so preseason All-SEC second team uh, or third team, depending on who you who you look at. But I think that it's definitely a, a scenario where you see him as a uh, average to above average center fielder. He may be, be better if you move him to a corner. A guy that can not only give you some power, but also some steals. Like I said, eight for eight on stolen bases. 
and then it's going to give you good contact. Going to be a very good pro for whoever goes and takes them. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the top preps in this class. We haven't really talked about these yet. We'll do hitters, and then we'll do pitchers. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. You can bet on everything basketball-related. The money line, point scores, threes drained. And you can go ahead and get acclimated to the app now before March Madness starts. That's coming up very soon. I believe conference tournaments start maybe tomorrow. And so you can be ready for uh, March Madness by practicing over over the conference tournaments over the weekend and with some NBA stuff. Uh, FanDuel lets you combine these bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So you can take multiple different things, including you can have some stuff on both teams. If you think there's a a mismatch or you just want to have a rooting interest and say, I want tons of offense in this game. Well, there you go. Uh, So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, talking about some of the top preps in this class, there are uh, some a couple candidates that could get up into the top, the, definitely going to be top 10, but could be a candidate if they can jump some college players to be number one overall. And really, we're talking about Max Clark. So, uh, outfielder from Franklin Community, 61190 currently committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, but the thing that you need to know, so I've got um, a combination of scouting reports here. I've seen a little bit of them. Combination of scouting reports and then MLB Pipeline actually tries to give number grades on all five of the tools. So the number grades here come from MLB Pipeline and then scouting reports based on not only what I've seen, but also what some of the other MLB draft sites have looked at so far. Uh, so... MLB Pipeline has him as a 60-hit tool and a 50-power tool. And the power is, it's definitely projectable. You can see him. I mean, he has he has uh, a lot of physical development that's already been done. And so there's a question about how much physical development you can still account for with Max Clark. But I think a lot of it kind of comes back to the approach. He's incredibly strong. And he's done a lot of that physical development. But... A lot of what his his power, they gave it a 50. I think it's more approach than anything. When I watch, he very much, like, he's a line drive machine as a left-handed hitter. He's just, his goal is to put it in the, into the gap, uh, get it out, and take extra bases. The speed is probably 70 grade. I th- actually think that's what they gave him, is 70 grade. And I've got him as a plus hit tool. I think the thing for Max Clark is, it's been approach so far. He probably has a ceiling of about 20 plus home runs at his, like once he reaches full potential in the minors and or majors. Uh, The reads, routes, and reactions in center field look pretty good to me. The arm is better than plus. It's not quite a 70 grade, but it's better than plus. So a very, very good arm. And then defensively, he's going to be a plus defender. So top five pick here. Again, the power right now is really line drive power from gap to gap. I think he has the potential for more. The bat speed's there. It's just a matter of approach, changing the, changing the launch angle a little bit, and being willing to sell out to get those home runs. Uh, 
but a no-doubt center fielder. Can absolutely stick in center field. The arm is an asset. He can hit 97 on the mound. So the arm is something that even a lot of the really good center field defenders don't always have a great arm. And so that's going to help him. Uh, There's a reason why he's probably expected to be a top five pick now and has a chance of possibly jumping Dylan Cruz or Chase Dollander if either one of them slips and he has a, a great spring for his high school team. The other guy who's kind of right behind him in that top 10 is Walker Jenkins. Uh, 6'3", 205, committed to the University of North Carolina. And something where he feels like he's a, a power hitter, kind of in the mold of like an all-around right fielder. So uh, the power, I've get, I got it as a plus grade right now. MLB Pipeline does as well. The hit tool is better than average, maybe above average. Not quite plus, but I think it can get there. It's just the the selling point here is the power. And you've seen the power tick up as uh, as he's physically matured. You also saw the speed back up a bit. He was a plus runner. Now he kind of comes in more of an average or so runner. And so plus arm but you're looking at him as a corner option versus a center field option because the speed's backed up a little bit. The reads, routes, reactions are good. It's just uh, the speed's backed up a little bit right as he's getting to, you know, 17, 18 years old. So if you assume it backs up a little bit more as he goes from 18 to 21, you're looking at a guy who's going to be stuck in a corner. Uh, He has missed some time, right? He's missed some time. He had a broken hammock bone. He had a hip issue. So... He's maybe a little bit inexperienced, and you kind of need to do a little bit of, like, check your medicals, do a little bit of research to figure out, uh, like, were those fluke injuries? Is that something where there's a concern there? But what I love is I've watched him go opposite field. He's a left-handed hitter. I've watched him do power to all fields. He can take it oppo. He can uh, can pull it, and that's fine. And then he does really well against fastballs. You've seen him in some of the showcase circuits. He's done... Very, very good as far as catching up to premium velocity and putting it out of the park. So, uh, feel good about Walker Jenkins being a top 10, if not top 5. And then, another interesting player who's kind of maybe back half of the top 10 is Aiden Miller. Third baseman, uh, 6'2", 210, committed to Arkansas right now. Another guy who's done very good at adjusting to, to... Velocity, very good with premium velocity. Uh, he, we have him as a third baseman because he's already he's already added size, and as he's added size, I mean he's six two two ten. As he's added size, he's slowed down to about average speed right now. The arm is plus, so he can stick at third if he continues to add size and or slows down, loses some of the some of the uh, quick hands and things like that. You're looking at maybe having to move him from third to first or something like a right field or left field kind of scenario. But right now, probably some of the best power in this prep class. Uh, the arm, I mentioned it's a plus arm. He he pitches as well. He's hit 90 off the mound. Again, it's just a whole question of what do you? how do you feel like the physical development is going to go? If he adds more size and slows down some more, there's a concern about can he stick at third or do you have to move him to right field or first base? So... Three really interesting preps who should be top 10 picks, depending on what happens with health and the showcases this spring. In just a minute, I want to get to some of the top 
prep pitchers in this class. Couple righties and one interesting lefty right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. And we are back. So when you're looking at some of the top prep pitchers in this class, three guys that I kind of want to highlight real quick. First one is the only lefty in the group. We're looking at uh, midway somewhere in the in the round, but left-hand pitcher Thomas White. I have heard people, and I'm not on board with this, but I have heard people say he's he might be the best prep lefty since like Steve Avery in the 80s, which seems very aggressive, but uh, something where velocity is already fantastic. So he's a, he's a Vanderbilt commit, 6'5", 210, and the fastball plus fastball as of right now sits you know, 96, 97 or so, the belief is he's going to be able to get it up to 100. Very good up in the zone. The curveball right now is above average, sits in the, you know, the I've seen upper 70s, I've seen low to mid 70s. I think some of that's depending on how recently you, you saw him for the scouting report, but ton of spin to it and kind of has some, uh, some nice little tilt to it. So it's more of a two plane break kind of thing. Uh, the the changeup, eh, he's flashed it a little bit, kind of common, and sits in the low 80s, kind of common with a lot of the prep guys. You don't really see a really good changeup from a prepster. It's the least efficient pitch. It's usually the last one of the main, of like their main trio that they develop, and they don't really need it a lot to dominate at the high school level. So you've got that. But whole thing here is uh, he's got to work on the fastball command a little bit. He can sometimes, he can sometimes get... Uh, get a little a little out of his mechanics, and so the fastball command wavers. But when it's on, it just explodes on a hitter up in the zone. And then uh, the the arm is a little whippy, and so I feel like the delivery sometimes gets out of sync, and he's kind of relying a bit on the arm action. So I do think he can get up to a hundred percent. I'm sorry, two hundred percent to a hundred miles an hour simply if you can harness the delivery and get him a little biomechanically pure versus kind of what he's doing right now where the legs are involved, but he's generating a lot of this using the whippy arm action. So uh, I see him as a first rounder. Right now, I've got him somewhere in that back third, 21 to 30 or so, but I absolutely think he could rise with some more velocity improvement and or some better command you see this spring. Uh, Right-hand pitcher Charlie Soto, 6'5", 210, uh, he is committed to University of Central Florida. And the thing a lot of teams like here is he's going to be 17, if I have it right, on draft day. So a little bit younger, a uh, little bit less wear on the arm, a little bit more projection you can assume for him as he'll be one of the youngest players in the entire draft. Fastball is somewhere between plus and 70 grade. I've seen, I've seen both. Um, hits 98 miles an hour. Excellent life up in the zone, right? Like a lot of late movement uh, kind of runs a bit on you up in the zone. Uh, slider is above average right now. Gets, uh, you know, sits in the, the mid 80s or so, has some kind of late bite to it. And then the changeup sits around the same place. So you want to see some sort of something get different. Either the slider get a little harder, the changeup get a little slower or something. But uh, has really good tumble to it. Looks like a splitter. Might actually be a splitter. I'm not quite sure. But uh, looks like it can it it does really well against lefties. He can kind of uh, he can, can he can command it pretty well against a lefty, so it gives him a weapon there. Uh, I think that 
You need to work on a little bit more consistency with throwing strikes. He's a prep pitcher. These, these kind of things happen. But combined with where he's already sitting, 95, 96, can touch 98. Combined with the age being so young, I think there's a lot of projection available here and something where you can develop him into a quality starting pitcher. The third guy, uh, the, in my mind, the other top right-handed pitcher in this class, Noble Meyer. He's out of Oregon. He is committed to Oregon. But 6'5", 185, throws, throws a couple different pitches, but does it from a really unusual slot, right? So he's 6'5", but he's got this kind of like mid to low three-quarter slot, and he kind of has some crossfire to his delivery. So the deception ends up being very good. It ends up being a really deceptive delivery, just kind of hard to pick up with that lower slot and the crossfire there on it. The fastball sits 97 or 98 as a two-seamer. So fantastic velocity for a two-seamer. Really does a good job as far as just like making it hard to pick up out of the hand and making the movement hard to track because you don't usually see two-seamers that fast. Uh, slider is mostly, it has two-plane break in the mid-80s, mostly sweep though. So uh, kind of gives it a, a, a nice visual kind of profile there running away and then down just a little bit and then has a changeup that sits in the upper 80s. Again, not something you've really seen a ton of. It's not as good as the other two, but I think you can assume it's going to get to average because of the arm speed matching very, very well. Again, frame is like 6'5", and so I think there is more physical projection here than a lot of other guys. 6'5", but only 185. And so I'm really curious to see what happens with that physical projection as far as what it does for his velocity. And then maybe if you, it gives you the ability to uh, firm up that slider a little bit and make it more of a power slider. And I would love to see him incorporate something that's kind of a pure vertical drop. Something like a curveball, like a 12-6, to 6, something like that. But either way, it's just... It's a fantastic profile, and it's a school that's going to deliver at, at developing pitchers. Jesuit High School in Portland. Uh, Mick Abel came from there. Like they, they're good at developing these pitchers, so you feel kind of good about this uh, as far as what the body can do and what the potential is for a Noble Meyer. Uh, again, I have them kind of back third of the first round. Can absolutely move up as well, depending on what happens with some of these college guys ahead of him and injury concerns like we've already started to see with some of these college pitchers. Fantastic week this week. One more show coming up tomorrow. Really excited about this one. There was an article about two-way center fielders, guys who are uh, who can contribute both offensively and defensively and how tough it is to find those right now. So we're going to kind of go through some of the top outfield prospects and discuss their offense versus their defense and who can be a two-way center fielder in the future. So you can st stick around for that. In the meantime, if you have questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com, or drop your questions in the Locked On MLB Prospects Discord. Link is in the episode description. Link is in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked On MLB Prospects.